That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. just watch on you we just watched dragnet 1954 the motion picture i'm a big fan of the dragnet franchise i think it's fair to say you are as well dun 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 dun. (laughs) i've listened to every episode of the radio version i've (laughs) seen every episode of the 19 60s color version multiple times you've modeled your whole personality on the charismatic and charming joe friday 
I've seen all of the episodes of the black and white uh, version that are available, but for some reason, I never watched the 1954 film version. So I, this I guess, was your first time seeing it? Yes. Oh, my God. Well, because I'd always heard, first of all, it, just as a matter of record, this is the first time a movie was made out of a TV show. This is the first time in, in history. That a movie was made out of a TV wow. show. Wow. I never watched it because everything... They didn't know what they were doing then. Everything I heard about it was that it was considered a disappointment. It's a misfire. And so because of that, who wants to be disappointed? We do. That's why we do this podcast. So we watched it for the first time. So does this, just, I mean, as a a completionist, does this round out... Was this the last crown jewel in the dragnet uh set that you had to acquire have you basically seen everything else uh in terms of the jack webb canon i've seen everything else there was talk about bringing the show back yet again in the early 80s but then jack webb passed away of course in 1987 you saw how the dan Aykroyd tom hanks version which I saw, and I believe it was a couple of years after that, there was a short-lived syndicated version, like the new Dragnet or something, with a non-Jack Webb cast, because Jack Webb passed. Uh, and then, of course... Uh, Have you seen that? I saw a couple episodes. You didn't see the whole thing, though. Uh, it was syndicated, and it uh, was a pretty big failure pretty quickly. And so, in my market, it was like only on like at 2 a.m. on Saturday <laughs> nights. <laughs> a real vote of confidence. And then, uh, of course, earlier this century, a pre-modern family, Ed O'Neill, starred in a pre-modern family, Ed O'Neill, starred in uh, L.A. Dragon. I believe it was called, produced by uh, your great hero, Dick Wolf. Oh, God. Did you watch that? Nope. <laughs> Fucking Dick Wolf. How about you? Nope. This is. I pretty much only started watching Dragnet when I married you. <laughs> It's a testament how downhill my life has gone. No, I'm just I like Dragnet. <laughs> uh, I remember we watched we, we watched we weren't high. We listened to uh, some of the radio broadcasts on a road trip that we went on, and then I've watched it here and there. It's a very quirky show, very odd. Uh, this was a fascinating failure to me. It makes a little bit of sense when you say that this was the first ever uh, film made of a television show because it's like they didn't really know how to do storytelling but also another facet of this this movie that you uncovered that i think also explains a hell of a lot it was written by the great richard breen who of course is known for another movie that we ripped apart on this show what film is that the fbi story starring jimmy stewart about a blowhard fbi who's just a total nerd and hates his family and is just talking about it for hours and it's like you felt with that movie, it's a fascinating failure as well because there's a gem. There's like a there's a kernel of something interesting in it, but it just it I guess they had to like get final approval from J. Edgar Hoover who wanted a bunch of bullshit family stuff in there and it, it the whole thing is just a slog. It's a long slog that just kind of plods from thing to thing. And that's literally what this dragnet movie is. I wouldn't go quite that far. I think the movie was like an arm wrestling match between entertaining and boring and at times it was very close it was a very closely fought contest 
But uh, certainly in the end, boring rant won in a landslide. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, I, I was entertained for brief spurts of this, and that's that's something. But on... When I just when you when when you're gonna describe it to the our, our audience here, and when when you describe it on paper, it sounds like dull as dust. It's like, oh, are are the leads charismatic? No. Is the mystery, the crime, interesting? Does it have an emotional core? No. Uh, are they doing really innovative and interesting detective work to solve the crime? No. <laughs> Do you get to know the city more and feel like you come away knowing something about L.A.? Not at all. It it is just nothing is working. The thing that keeps it from being completely a disaster as in like just painful to watch is the fact that you have that really fun dragnet chitter chatter patter between you know where people talk like this let's try let's try to do some dragnet talk do you like to smoke yes what do you smoke cigars what's the brand havana And that, and that, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a simple there, woman. There, there was a there's scene. There's a lot of that, and I love that. There was a that. scene early on where there's an interrogation scene between Friday and the man who is inexplicably the suspect. And it's riveting. You're really drawn in. And it's only the, you're, you're really sucked in. You're really enjoying it. And it's only then that you stop and realize, wait a minute, nothing's happening here. Nothing's happening. They're talking about nothing. I don't understand what they're, they're talking, talking about. They're talking about trivia, but they're talking about it in a really riveting way. Yeah. And, like, here's... Here, I mean, here, it's kind of like you if, if like you, you took an alien and you dumped them I- into Wimbledon and they're watching a tennis match. You don't know, like I don't know the rules, I don't know what's happening, but I it, it, things are going back and forth, and I like that. It's exciting. So like that's that's those scenes for me, uh, but everything else is fall just complete. But but in a, but in a fascinating way. So I, I definitely. I was bored a lot of the time. Sometimes I wasn't bored, but this was not a good movie. Like 20 minutes in, I thought there was a chance I might enjoy this film. Here's what's also, like, they spent so much time on bullshit. And I don't just mean, like, dialogue. I mean, we have to film people walking across a room. Yes, you walk into, uh, spoiler alert, at one point you walk into a museum and a person enters on the far end of the museum and we watch him walk slowly towards us like why not just cut that shit out and put some interesting stuff in and listen like i know that dragnet always strived for whatever they considered realism you know how real how how, not how however realistic that was is up for debate here but i think it's interesting that like they really just totally didn't like there's no like anything that you would see in a modern day like crime story, like a car chase or like something exciting, somebody's in danger. None of that. There's no, there's no like, they're like this film is like allergic to the concept of suspense. You know, they set up at one point. There's a police woman working undercover, and they're like, oh, she might be in danger. So you're like, oh no, are they gonna go and like, you know, she's gonna be in trouble in the in, and no, she's just sitting there like smiling, you know, talking. At, you know, fr- in a friendly manner with a, a bunch of bad guys, and then they're like, "Hey, you know, come out with just us." Just like another night in your life. Yeah, just another night in my life. I mean, like, but like again, like they could have just made it like, like, like every time, like you might have like a tiny bit of suspense building up. They're immediately like, "Nope, nope, get that the fuck out of here. We don't need that. This is a family movie. Get that out of there." And it's fascinating. And it's fascinating the the the, the tone and the manner, and I just I don't know. I, I love the dialogue, though, because I just love that kind of back and forth. People don't talk like that. 
but it's like this very distinctive Jack Webb dialogue that I just find very entertaining. Uh, you say there's no emotional core. They try. The, the victim is just some random criminal. And at some point, uh, Friday and his partner decide to go and talk to this random criminal's wife. And they try in that scene to have some emotion. Why don't you, why don't you describe that scene for us? Why don't you paint your, one of your famous word pictures? Why don't you offer us a prose poem? A la Nelson Algren. Jesus Christ, settle down. So Friday and his partner walk into a room that I guess is supposed to be messy. It's supposed and to be cluttered. squalor. Squalor. But I guess when they told the the set design people, we want a squalid apartment, all they had was a couple of extra sheets of newspaper, which they sort of lightly crumpled. Not They didn't ball them up. They just kind of wrinkled them a bit. Threw them on the floor at different intervals. So there's basically a a very blank, bland apartment with a few crumpled it's kind of It's kind of like when uh, you have a, a female character on a show who's supposed to be unattractive. And what they do is they're cast a stunningly gorgeous woman and they put her in a pair of slightly unflattering glasses. Yeah. It, That's what it was like. It was like, I'm offended. As a messy person, I'm offended by this representation. Like, I wish... I wish most of the places I lived looked that good. Just you could just pick up the newspaper. Jesus Christ! Our house has never looked that good. Our house has never looked that good, and this and is, it never will. And it, we aspire to this sad apartment on Dragnet. And so they go over, and there's a woman bundled on a couch, and you know it's a it's a wide shot, so you're not it's not su- super apparent about what's happening immediately. So I'm thinking she's either sleepy and sitting on the couch, she's uh, you know, uh, like maybe like has some sort of injury or she's drunk. Turns out she's drunk. So this woman, she just lost her husband to murder. She's very upset about it. She's telling the cops she's, you know, doing her best. She goes on like a Shakespearean monologue. Like, like, like it's that long. It just keeps going, talking about how she's upset that her husband died. She's drinking. Uh, she's monologuing. She's monologuing. She's monologuing to beat the band. This was this was this woman's Oscar bid, and it just goes on forever. But uh, th- yeah, that was attempting to make a, an emotional core out of it. But the thing is, you don't really get. You, you haven't even told us the big Sako finish. What was the of fucking Sako finish? Oh, then it turns out she she gets up to walk them out, and it turns out she only has one leg, which I guess is supposed to indicate to the audience that we should feel bad for her, which is kind of, you know, seems kind of against people with disabilities, but, you know, it's the 1950s, so I guess that's not that surprising. But it, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And and I guess, like, I mean, the thing, though, is, like, one thing that can kind of make things have an emotional core is when your main character, who in this case is Jack Webb's Joe Friday, when they have emotion for the thing we're supposed to feel emotional for. So in this case, you know, he's not he's not really, like, reacting with much sympathy to her plight. He's kind of, like... At one point, she drops her glass, and she's like, oh, did I break it? And he's like, well, there's just a hole in the top, because, you know, it's a glass. And it's like, he doesn't seem to be moved by her plight or anything. In the slightest. And, like, he's always been a cold fish in the series, but in the series, like, the, if there's, like, a victim sometimes, like, you you do feel like he does care. But in this, he's just like, ah, fuck this lady. She married a criminal. And, like, <laughs> he, he comes... Okay, two things about Joe Friday in this movie that are alarming. One, he looks like an infant. He looks so much younger than he did in the TV show to me. Um, and two, he was 
kind of a jerk. He seems more straight-laced in some of the later things. In this one, he's kind of like goading people into fights. He's making snarky comments. I mean, he does that a little bit later on, but it seemed a little bit more overt and aggressive in this film. I don't know. Was that just my perception? And he also uh, really violates several liberties to... Yeah, which I think, as as far as Dragnet is copaganda, is not so surprising, but the lengths to which he goes to do that is a bit surprising. They decide almost randomly, oh, the guilty man must be this fella. And actually, the movie begins with the murder. So we see who did the murder, and we know that the person they've settled on is actually the guilty person. And it's been speculated that the reason they showed us at the beginning that he was, in fact, guilty, so we won't get upset with Friday for what he does later in the movie. If we didn't have that scene then it would look like he was just a psycho who randomly selected some guy who had some criminal activities in his past, but still, to focus on. And, yeah, so I, I understand why they did that. So he ran, this guy's inexplicably, it has to be him. It has to be him. And they take him before the grand jury, and the grand jury says, no, it ain't him. Uh, of course, in the grand journey, jury. The, the grand journey of Joe Friday. In the grand jury, there are a couple of token uh liberals who say things that Fucking joe friday liberals. just shakes his head at you don't you people don't understand what the real world is like and so they refuse to return an indictment against him and so the police decide well what we'll do there's no charges against him because we haven't been able to build a case against him so what we'll do is we will follow him and make his life a living hell and do everything we can to publicly embarrass and humiliate him in front of his friends, loved ones, business associates, casual acquaintances, passerby, what have you. Well, that's legal, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking police state. And I mean, and I, I guess and all bets are off when the ADA running the case turns out to be a serial killer in the next Dragnet movie. So, I mean, yes. guy's obviously a sadist. Played, played the same character in this. He's a responsible ADA who's always missing a match or something that Friday's always offering him. Then later he's, you know, murdering women across California. Yeah, one of the interesting things about these Dragnet shows is that uh, Jack Webb liked to keep giving the same actors work. He liked to keep working with the same actors and made him feel comfortable. So in this movie, the uh, ADA is played by the person who plays the creepy killer in... Uh, you know what? I like that. I like that he was kind of go- went back to the same people and gave them steady work. So I'm going to salute that, although it was pretty funny to see this guy in a different And way. I believe the person who played the killer in this one, wasn't he like a white supremacist in a TV episode we watched recently? Oh, yeah, the, in one of the intelligence ones. I think it's nice that he gave people work, so I'm not going to complain about that. It, it, it is kind of funny to point out, though. Uh, but there's so many weird moments in this. You have at one point Friday's talking. He's... I. Like the movie kind of just it's like you're watching traffic on the highway. Like like I like things are going past me. I'm not sure what's going on. I, I couldn't tell you many details. At one point he makes a bizarre statement about something blowing and then twenty dollars when he's talking I mean uh, at one point there's a bunch of people just dropping paper on the floor by their feet. Uh, like, I just I, what is going on in this movie? So you need some explanations. So some people when they were leaving the grand jury were dropping uh, a, a wadded up piece of paper. Yeah, that said the that they're to, pl- to plead the fifth. Yeah. But that, 
That's fine, but so why... So what's the problem? Why are you confused? Why was the movie making such a big deal about that? Wouldn't they expect them to pe- plead the fifth? And then I, I thought uh, one of my they favorite They kept on parts- saying eyeball witnesses. I mean, the, who wrote this? Richard Breen. Uh, I thought it was more interesting. At one point, they go into like a jazz club. Oh, my God. There's a group of white guys <laughs> playing jazz. The and the Sultans guy- of Swing. <laughs> The guy playing trumpet, as he's playing trumpet, he's also holding a lit cigar, a lit cigarette, rather. Mm-hmm. And why, if you're going to start playing your trumpet, why don't you put the cigarette down? Might set the whole place on fire, and then it's going to be an arson episode of Dragnet. And then the guy playing the trumpet, uh, okay, it's time to stop playing. I'm going to go over and talk to Jill Friday. He talks kind of like you. What do you mean he talks like me? Just because I say dig sometimes? Yeah, he talks about digging stuff. He he talks of this this fifties lingo. Jesus, Christ. I think you've watched this movie before, and you based your entire <laughs> life on that guy, <laughs> on the nerdy white trumpet player in the nerdiest whitest jazz band you've ever seen, who's like a beatnik. Doesn't that kind of fit? I guess. <laughs> God, it, I, I just I'm. The whole thing, it's fascinating how actively uninteresting they made the central case, you know? And and basically, even, like, people in the film pointed out, like, well, he's just a bad guy who got killed by other bad guys. Who cares? And nobody ever has, like, a, no, he still matters. He's still a human being. It's just like, eh, yeah, I guess. But yeah, so that's a good point, sir. Uh, let's pack it up. <laughs> like, it's, it's so, there's nothing. It's just, it just keeps going along. But it's almost impressive that it just kind of keeps staggering along. Uh and, 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 like, you, it's not impressive to basically have your case fall apart, have the grand jury hand your ass back to you, and then basically just harass the guy for the rest of the movie. Like, what? Fucking Joe Friday, he's the bad guy in this. I felt bad for the guy they were harassing. He killed a man. I, he killed a man before my eyes. That was the first thing I saw in the film. But I still was like, you know, this isn't right. Those those liberals in the fucking, you know, grand jury, they they would have... I mean, I'm with them. This is just awful. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Again, I'm just going to call out every bizarre moment that just stuck with me. At one point, there's a big debate between Friday and his partner, who's not Gannon, who, who's, who's, who's in, it, in it later, some other guy. They're talking about which is the weirdest food combination, ice cream and fish or tamales and sauerkraut and how they both ate those that day and like whose stomach is going to be more upset. And then, then they run off somewhere. I mean, it was like, it, like, you know, like in like law and order, if they start with two cops, they're always having like, Oh yeah. How's the wife? Yeah. Da, da, da. And then, you know, then the crime starts and like it gets going. They always, they never do any, it's always something really weird. Why don't you talk about the fight scene? Yeah. So, the movie is somehow, like, it's one of those movies where it's going on forever. You keep on being like, how much long is it? But then it, there doesn't seem to be enough time left to wrap it, everything up. So we're, we're towards the end. Uh, Friday and his partner go and spy on the bad guy. One of the main bad guys at a poker game he's having, like a private poker game. So they go up and they're sitting there. And then they sort of instigate a fight between them and the other members of the poker game. Although the criminal himself doesn't get involved. And so you have a bunch of scenes of Friday and his partner, you know, punching at the camera. They've, they're streaked with fake blood. Uh, people are getting thrown through doors. People are getting thrown through windows. People are getting thrown through 
uh, water coolers, I believe. And it's it just goes on for like five hours. It's like one of those underwater James Bond fights that just it's like somehow takes up like half of the movie. And um, there's a at one point there's a guy who's in a, you know the manager of the place is this like pudgy middle aged man wearing a green visor looking utterly ridiculous who's who's yelling like stop it stop it and Kevin said that's how you see me on you. So that was an upset- and you didn't deny it. You <laughs> did not deny it. I was shocked. That was an upsetting glimpse into your lack of self-esteem. <laughs> Just awful. You and, yelling, and, hey, hey, hey! <laughs> and, and I think you see yourself as Joe Friday. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes you say that? You think you're a tough person. You do whatever it takes to get the bad guy. You take no prisoners. You see the world in black and white. I think you're asking. You love making fun of my dietary choices. I think you just signed yourself up for a fucking campaign of harassment. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be out in the town. I'm going to be frisking you, making you stand against the wall. You that's do that weird. already. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> How do you think we spent our honeymoon? <laughs> I'm an awful wife. <laughs> what does that say about you that you wanted to marry someone who you think is like Joe Friday? <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck does that say about you? You're Joe Friday, and I'm like uh, Officer Gannon. I'm just a devil may care. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> He's always asking about Joe Friday's sex life. He's always making weird sandwiches. You were always, like, delivering uh, little one-liners to me, then looking at me and nodding. I think in some si- <laughs> I think in some situations, I, I come across, like, a really charisma-free nerd who follows the rules intensely and just kind of skulks around and, and does my job competently, but in a way that, we're, you know, engenders no affection from anyone around me. I think, I think that I've definitely been that person in the room. I think it's because of the social anxiety, but you know, and and frankly, you know, I, I I'm not for everybody. I know that, so I know I, I can't go full 
I can't go full mystery to me in front of, you know, people I don't know that well because I'll just fucking annoy them and they'll get, tell me to get out of there. So I think the I, I kind of go in the opposite direction and pull more of a, a Friday-esque persona in some settings just to, just to keep things professional. <laughs> so so I, I don't think you're that off base. <laughs> and fuck you for saying it. I told Kevin, I think we both come across like Joe Friday in certain situations. Just kind of like alien. This person isn't a real human. They're an, they're an automaton. You know, like we're like, you know, fucking robots. You've also said that you think we come across like Charles Emerson Winchester from MASH. And you immediately agreed with me. Yes. Because it's true. Pretentious assholes. So a dash of Joe Friday, a dash of Charles Emerson Winchester... At least we're self-aware, You've right? got the green lease. Yeah. At least we're fucking self-aware about it. We're not coming and being like, yeah, we're hot stuff. We, we People are going people are gonna to really like us. We're like, you know what? It's an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I've, I never watched MASH before. We've been watching that recently. And when, once we got to the Charles years, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> they got us. Shit. <laughs> That's how people see us. Yeah. I I do like to use big words to impress people. Because I... Indubitably. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. How sad we are. But, yeah, I, I think I've become... I think I've become... Like, yeah. The Joe Friday stuff is, is troubling. Because you watch it and you're like, this guy doesn't act like a human being. But I still, I love it. I love the show. I love that he doesn't act like a human being. It somehow makes it, like, I hate, like, every, like, fucking show is like, oh, what, you know, let's meet this person's family. No. I just want Joe Friday characters who are like, I don't give a shit about what they're doing after the job. It's all about the job. That's so much more interesting to me. Law and Order used to understand that, but they've gone they've gone back. Now we have to go see everybody's fucking kids and stuff. In, like, in, I don't care about in this In the shit. 1950s show, Joe Friday lived with... His mom. That's right. That's kind of sad. Poor Joe Friday. Yeah, in this one, he seems a bit more impish. Like, he's a bit more like a trickster. He's like... He's like... In the other, in like later on, he's more sour. He's kind of like, ah, the system is broken, and why are the criminals doing the crimes? But this one, he's more of like, I want to fuck around. Like, I want to fuck with these guys, and it makes him do horrible police abuses against somebody. But it's 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 definitely interesting. How do you think he'd do as a podcaster? Awful. Well, actually, no, not awful. He seems to understand that like terse wording and quick dialogue and kind of, you know, frankly, adjust the facts attitude uh, can probably get you pretty far. I think people would like that. I, he has, you know, he's a good podcast voice. I, I think, I think he could do it. The radio show's great. Yeah. I, I, I think the radio show's really compelling. So if he just basically did that, yeah, he, he could go far. Um. So it, it, uh, is it winds down? They finally succeed in, okay, we've got enough. We actually can prove this guy's guilt. Let's go arrest him. Not exactly sure what they have, but, oh, in fairness, but they got by, it. In fairness, at that point, I don't think either one of us was really paying attention. It was so very the, hard. The, it was very boring. There was like one scene in this movie where a bunch of police cars pull up in front of a house 
they shine their lights on a house, and then the guy who's in the house slowly walks out of the house to the police cars. That was a scene in this movie. And then, and then the big confrontation is, I guess he's like the big bad guy. He looks at Friday, spits on him, and then Friday kind of like tosses his jacket at him. Like the toss, like he's holding the man's jacket. It, it, it's just, it's like they didn't understand like how to do movie scenes or. So they finally, you've got him. Go arrest him. So this is going to be our closure. There's also like five bad guys, and like they all look kind of similar. I couldn't tell them apart. Who the fuck were these guys? You know, I, I, how am I supposed to keep... I mean, they're all, like, sitting around. There were many parts in the movie Ugh. where both of us were totally lost. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's hard to follow. But, again, they got him. This is going to be the big emotional closure. They're going to go and arrest this man who killed this person no one seems to care about. And so they go and get him and find out, oh, yeah, he just died of cancer. <laughs> dum da dum dum <laughs> Good night, everybody. He died on the table. Gastric cancer. This is a Mark 7 production. (laughs) Now, that always disturbed me as a child. Why? These Jack Webb shows end with a guy with a very dirty, grimy hand hammering something onto the TV screen. And what he's hammering in is just something that says Mark 7. That disturbed me as a child. Why? Why? I'm watching this the show about my buddies and the emergency squad, and this is how it ends. Just all this sweatiness. What, what do you think actually disturbed you about it? Was it like scary? Like you thought, oh no, someone's gonna hammer. Yeah, like, what's going on? Someone's gonna hammer me. Yeah. Like a, I'm like a murderer. Yeah. There you go. I appreciate that moments in the film they tried to do interesting things with shots, like they were filming one of the villains from a downward angle like up through like a a glass uh ashtray ashtray like there were so they, they were trying at points i could see them trying so the fight scene was hilarious i love all the ones when it's like they're just punching the camera like it's so corny yeah it's like they're trying to do 3d but they didn't have the budget to actually do 3d <laughs> but let's just have a let's just show jack webb punching towards the camera <laughs> 3d house of jack webb <laughs> But, um, yeah, it, it wasn't, it had moments. I think if people like Dragnet a lot, you like, you should probably just see it and, you know, kind of get a sense of it. But it's definitely not good. No. Not going to say it's good. Not going to say it even had a really, like, it had some really fun scenes, but it also, like, there was nothing good about the actual film or story or anything like that. I, I think, you know, uh, if you're obsessed with Dragnet, save this for last. Like I did. Are you happy you saved like the disappointing film for last? Like you couldn't go out with a bang? Couldn't go out with a Mark 7 hammer? Don't you think like this had been the first Dragnet thing I'd seen? There would be no second Dragnet viewing for me? (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. I can't imagine anyone watching this and thinking, well, I'd really love to see more of this. Was Jack Webb happy with how this turned out, or was he like, oh, we fucked up. We got to do something different. Because I feel like the next film, which we also previously reviewed, sixty was it 67, I think? Uh, Drag Dead 67. It's all about, like, a serial killer, which is inherently a lot more interesting than the type of crime that they cover in this one. And I will say, like, I, at the time, felt like they kind of overreached and maybe, like, they were not the people to tell, like, a serial killer story, necessarily. Like, they just, 
it didn't quite seem to fit into the Dragnet universe. But having seen this, like, at least they were out doing something and you were kind of like, I hope they stop the serial killer from murdering all these ladies. I got to tell you, uh, I just, I'm just looking it up on IMDb. The script writer for that film, Richard Breen. Oh, so he learned something. Jack Webb sat him down and said, I love the last movie. Would it be be nice if they could actually do something in this one? Richard Breen is actually a pretty entertaining writer. Yeah, I remember being entertained by that he, one. He, uh, it was pretty dark, though. He did a bunch of radio scripts for Jack Webb in the 40s for a private detective show, uh, Pat Novak, which are very funny. Right. I could You could see glimmers in this of, of something, just like the FBI story. I think it was just, I, I think there was like a lot, a learning curve for TV to movies because it just seemed like a lot of fluff and a lot of like stretched out scenes that were, you know, not, did not need to be that long. But yeah, I mean, I remember in the 67 one, like Jack, uh, Joe Friday is like climbing up a muddy ravine to try to save somebody like things are happening. So he didn't make that same mistake twice, at least with this franchise seemingly. So your final thoughts. You're just glad you didn't see this one first. Yes. I'd say to quote one of the gangsters, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. But my five-star final is to quote the uh, George Harrison from Hard Day's Night. It's a drag, a well-known drag. We turned the sound down on it and said rude things. <laughs> thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks Thanks so so much much for listening. listening.